0: Alamin على zidna ilma In the last few weeks speaking about the biography of the great khalifa Umar ibn Al-Khattab we spoke about his virtues we spoke about the narrations regarding his greatness and we spoke about his physical characteristics we spoke about his family we spoke about a number of incidents that happened between him and the Prophet sallallahu during the time of the Prophet sallallahu and now today inshallah we want to move on to the next stage of the life of Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu and that is the Khilafah of Umar ibn al-Khattab when Umar radhiallahu took the role as Amir al-Mu'mineen as the leader of the Muslim Ummah after the passing away of Abu Bakr al-Siddiq and as we mentioned in the biography of Abu Bakr radhiallahu Abu Bakr selected Umar to be his successor even before he died Abu Bakr anh, when he became ill and he had a feeling that he would not recover from his illness and that his time was coming near. He appointed Umar ibn al-Khattab عنه, to be his successor while he was still alive to make sure that the transition after his death would be a smooth transition. The move of power to Umar ibn khattab would be smooth and there would be no obstacles there because Abu Bakr had already taken care of this issue before he even passed away. So when Umar became the Khalifa, when Abu Bakr passed away, and Umar took the role as the Khalifa, as Amirul Mu'mineen, he addressed the people, he gathered the people and he addressed them with his first khutbah as the ruler of the Muslim Ummah. And from the advice that he gave the people in this first khutbah after praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and sending greetings of peace and blessings upon the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam the first thing that he told the people he said to them iqra Quran, tu'rafu bih wa'malu min ahli this is the first advice that he gave the people in his new role as the leader of the believers as the ruler of the believers he said read the quran recite the quran and you will be known as people of righteousness through this. If you recite the Quran, then it will be known that you are good people, that you are people of righteousness. And reciting the Quran is not enough, rather, you have to act upon it as well. And if you read the Quran and act upon implementing the rules of the Quran, then you will be from the people of the Quran. You will be from the people of the Quran. And then he continued, he advised the people, and bring yourselves to account. Weigh your actions before your actions are weighed for you. Bring yourselves to account before you are brought to account by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and yawm al-qiyamah. And prepare yourselves for the meeting with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when you will come in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and nothing will be hidden from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Prepare yourselves for that day. Prepare yourself for yawmul qiyamah. Then he continued and he told the people, innahu lam yablugh haqqu haq an yuta'a fi He said, nobody has the right to be obeyed if obeying this person involves the disobedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Nobody has that right. Basically, he was telling the people, Yes, I am your ruler now. I am your leader. But if I were to ever tell you to do something that is in disobedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then do not obey me. If I ever tell you to disobey Allah, then you cannot obey me. Do not obey me. I order you not to obey me. Because no one has the right to be obeyed if they are commanding you to disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then... He spoke about how he would continue to earn his livelihood. Being Amirul Mu'mineen, it's a great responsibility. And as we mentioned in the biography of Abu Bakr As-Siddiq, they set a limited salary for him from the Baytul Mal, so that he wouldn't have to work a regular job he used to do business before but now as amirul mumineen how can he do business anymore but still he needs to support himself and his family so during the time of abu, abu bakr they they agreed upon a certain salary that would go to him a minimal salary just enough to take care of his needs and his family nothing extra so umar radiyallahu anhu when he became amirul Mu'minin, he said about himself how he was going to support himself he said Allah wa inni anzaltu nafsi min وَلِيِّ الْيَتِيمِ He said, the way that I am going to deal with the, the money, the wealth that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has entrusted me with in the Baytul Mal in the treasury of the Muslims, the way that I am going to deal with that for my own expenses is that if I don't need it, if I have wealth from outside that is coming in, then I'm not going to touch it. But... If I don't have any wealth that is coming from outside, then I will take only what I need. And this is what Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says about a person who is in charge of taking care of an orphan. If an orphan has lost his father and he has some wealth that he has left for this child, then that, that wealth, it belongs to the child. But if you're taking care of that orphan, you're taking care of that orphan, you're spending upon that orphan from, from his money that his father left for him, but you yourself are poor, you can take what you need of that money. And that is basically like a payment for yourself for taking care of the orphan. But if you are rich yourself, if you don't need this money, you don't need the orphan's money, then you shouldn't take it. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَمَن كَانَ غَنِيًّا فَلْيَسْتَعْفِفُ وَمَن كَانَ فَقِيرًا فَلْيَأْكُلْ بِالْمَعْرُوفِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala here, he's talking about the people who are raising orphan children. He said, if the person who is raising the orphan child is poor himself, then he can take whatever he needs. But if he's rich, then he should not take anything. He should stay away from that wealth and keep that wealth only for the orphan. So, Umar he used this analogy. He said, this is how I'm going to deal with the treasury. If I'm poor, if I need it, I will just take whatever I need, the minimal amount that I need. But if I am rich, if I'm getting income from outside sources, if my business is running and I'm getting money from that or whatever, then I'm not going to touch anything from the treasury of the Muslims. So he made this clear to the people. Then he said, ثلاث دعوات. ثلاث دعوات. إذا دعوت بها فأمنوا. He said, I'm going to make three du'as now. And when I make this du'a, I want you all to say Amin, He said to the people. He said, "Allahumma inni ضعيف فقويني. Oh Allah, I am weak. So make me strong. The second dua he made, Allahumma inni He said, Ya Allah, I am very rough, I am very harsh, so make me gentle, Ya Allah. And then the third dua that he made, Allahumma inni bakheel fasakhini. He said, Ya Allah, I am stingy, so make me open-handed and generous. Even though Umar عنه, he was generous. He was generous, but, but from his humility, from his humbleness, that he didn't consider himself to be generous. He considered himself to be stingy, even though he was not. So he made this dua Allahumma inni bakheel fasakhini. Ya Allah, I'm stingy, so make me open handed and make me generous. Then he continued with his address to the people. He said, Law anna aqwa ala amr, kana He said, If there were anyone from amongst you who I knew was stronger than me, and more able to carry out this responsibility of ruling the people. If there was anyone who was stronger than me in this regard, then wallahi, I would rather have my neck cut. I would rather die than have this responsibility. I don't, I don't want this responsibility. It's not that I asked for this responsibility, but it has been decided that I am the best person for this responsibility. And if I knew that there was someone who could handle it better than me, wallahi, I would not want to take this responsibility and he continued on he said inna Allah abtalakum bi wabtalani bikum he said surely allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has tested you with me me being your ruler it's a test for you and also allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has tested me with you this is a test for me being in this position of leadership you are a test for me and then he said, فَلَا La لَا شَيْءٌ مِنْ أَمْرِكُمْ فَيَلِيهِ أَحَدٌ Duni He said that if there's anything, if there's any problem, if there's any dispute, if there's is any issue amongst you, then I am responsible for taking care of that. No one else has that right to make these types of decisions. If any decision needs to be made, if there's is any issue that needs to be dealt with, then that stops with me. I am the one who deals with it. And then he said, And if something happens somewhere that is far away from me, remember by this time, Alhamdulillah, the Islamic lands had expanded. They went, it, it was going all the way to Iraq by now. So Umar said, If something happens in a land that is far away from me and I can't deal with it personally, then I will appoint people. I will appoint people on my behalf, people of honesty, people of trustworthiness, and they will deal with it. And then he said, وَلَئِنْ ilayhim, <laughs> wala in asau He said, those people that I appoint to deal with issues that are far away, my representatives, if they do a good job in dealing with the issues of the people, then I will be good to them, I will be generous with them. But if they do not deal with the people in the right way, then I will punish them for that. ويغفر الله لنا وَلَكُمْ and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive us and forgive you. So this was the first khutbah that Umar ibn al-Khattab radiyallahu gave after becoming the leader of the Muslims. And when he gave this speech, <coughs> when this gave, he gave this speech, he was standing on the mimbr. He was standing on the mimbr, and as you know, the mimbar it has steps, right? So Abu Bakr radiyallahu used to stand on a certain step of that member. So when Umar bin Khattab went onto the mimbar, he did not stand on the step where Abu Bakr used to stand. Rather, he stood one step below it. He stood one step below it. And why did he do this? He stood one step below the step that Abu Bakr used to stay on, and he said, "Makan Allahu li yarani an ara nafsi ahlan bimajlis Abu Bakr." He said, I don't want Allah to see me thinking about myself that I have the right to stand in the same place where Abu Bakr stood. No, I'm not at the level of Abu Bakr. I will stand one level below him. Subhanallah. This was the humbleness of Umar al Khattab and this was the respect that he had for Abu Bakr as-Siddiq. Anhu. He understood the position of Abu Bakr as-Siddiq in this ummah that he didn't even want to stand on his step. He said, no, I will stand one step below the step of Abu Bakr. Radiallahu anhu wa said, all right, as we mentioned in the biography of Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu anh, his title that he was known by was Khalifatu Rasulillah. Abu Bakr radiallahu anh, he was known as Khalifatu Rasulillah. And when people used to address him, they used to say, Ya Khalifata Rasulillah. O Khalifa of the Messenger of Allah. Now, when Umar radiallahu became the next leader after Abu Bakr as-Siddiq passed away, what did they used to call him in the beginning? They used to call him Khalifatu Khalifati Rasulullah. So Abu Bakr was Khalifatu Rasulullah, meaning the successor of Rasulullah. And Umar was known as the successor of the successor of Rasulullah. Khalifatu Khalifati Rasulullah. So when they started calling him, this, this doesn't roll off the tongue very nicely, right? Khali- ya Khalifata Khalifati Rasulullah. And then people started saying, like, this doesn't really sound like a, a good title. And What will happen after Umar passes away and another Khalifa comes? What should we call him? ta Khalifati Khalifati Rasulillah? And then it will just keep going on like that. How long can we do this? Right? It doesn't work like that. So they were confused. We need to think of a title for him. We need to think of a title for him. So while they were trying to decide on a title, around the same time, Labid Al-Amiri and Adi Ibn Hatim Al-Tai, they came into Medina from Iraq. Remember, by that time, alhamdulillah, the Islamic lands has, had expanded quite a bit. And some of the Muslims were stationed in different parts of the, the Muslim lands. So Labid and Adi, they were in Iraq. And they came into Medina. They came into Medina with a message for Umar ibn al-Khattab. So when they arrived in Medina, Labid and Adi, they arrived in Medina. They went to the masjid of the Prophet wasallam, al-Masjid al-Nabawi. And they found in the masjid Amr ibn al-As. They found Amr ibn al-As. So they said to Amr ibn al-As, they said to him, استأذل لنا على أمير المؤمنين. They said to Amr ibn al-As, that ask Amir al-Mu'mineen, ask the leader of the believers, the ruler of the believers, ask him for permission for us to see him. We need to see him. So this is the phrase that they use. This is the term that they use. Labid and Adi. They were the ones who came up with this phrase. They said this. And Amr ibn al-As, he heard this phrase. They called him Amir al What a great title that is. What a perfect title that is. Amir al We are the Mu'minun. We are the believers. And he is our Amir. He is our ruler. What a perfect title. And this is the title that can go on. For whoever takes control of the affairs of the Ummah after Umar, they can keep the same title. Amirul Mu'mineen. What a beautiful title. So, Umar, he liked that. And he went to Umar عنه, and he said, Assalamu alaikum, Ya al Mu'mineen. Peace be upon you, O al Mu'mineen, O leader of the believers. And Umar was surprised to hear this title. This is the first time someone is calling him al Mu'mineen. And then he said, Where did you come up with this name? And then Amr told him, he said, Labid and Adi, they came in from Iraq and they said to me, They said to me, ask permission for us to enter from Amirul Mu'mineen. And he said, Wallahi, huma, these people, these two people, Labid and Adi, they came up with the right name for you. Lakad asaba ismak. He said, Ya ya, Amir al-Mu'mineen, these two, they came up with the right title for you. Laqad asaba ismek. So Umar radhiallahu anhu, he agreed with this and he decided that yes, this is the proper title. And from then on, Umar became known as Amir al-Mu'mineen. So he is actually the first ruler of the Muslims who was known by this title. And then this title was kept for all of the rulers that came after him from the Khulafa'ul Rashidin and even people who came, even rulers who came after the Khulafa'ul Rashidin. So Uthman was known as Amirul Mu'mineen. Ali was known as Amirul Mu'mineen. Right? And even later rulers of the Muslim Ummah, they were known as Amirul muminin That means the ruler of the believers. So this is how this name came into effect. Alright. Now one fear that the people had of umar now that he is the ruler that he is the most powerful person now in the muslim Ummah, one of the fears that the people had is that umar is Shadid. he is someone who is very strict and he's very rough and he's harsh and they thought to themselves the people said amongst themselves look umar even during the time of the prophet sallallahu alayhi umar was Shadid. he was very rough and harsh, and even during the time of Abu Bakr, عنه, Umar was very harsh. Now, Umar is the head of the Ummah, he is the ruler now. And if he maintains this harshness, then how are we going to handle it? They thought that okay, before at least you know, Rasulullah was there, before, after that, Abu Bakr was there, but now Umar is the head. So if he maintains this harshness and this roughness, what's going to happen? So some of the people were very afraid of this. As for Abu Bakr radiAllahu an, before Umar, he was so soft and gentle. He was known to be so soft and gentle that if he would be walking in the streets of Medina, the kids in the streets they would run up to him. And they would jump on him. Right? You know how soft and gentle he was. That even the kids they loved him and they used to jump on him and play with him and they would go to him and they would say Ya Abati, Ya Abati. They would call him all oh, my father, my father. They considered him like their own father. That's how soft and gentle Abu Bakr was. As for Umar r.a, if he would be walking in the streets, forget about kids, even grown men who were in the streets, they would get scared and they would run away. Right? So a very different type of attitude that they had. Abu Bakr was known for his softness and gentleness, where Umar r.a was known for his roughness and his strictness and his harshness. So the people got worried about this. So... Umar anh, he gathered the people to discuss this with them, discuss this fear that they had. And he mentioned to them, yes, I hear that you are talking, that you are afraid of the fact that I am rough and that I am very harsh. And he said, yes, it is true. It is true. During the time of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, I was very harsh. But that harshness came in handy sometimes. That the Prophet sallallahu wa sallam, his nature, he was very gentle and he was soft. And If there was a time where harshness was needed, I came in handy during those times. The Prophet ﷺ would would use me if the situation warranted harshness. So I was like a sword for the Prophet ﷺ with my harshness. So it complemented the gentleness of the Prophet ﷺ. So it was useful. Same thing during the time of Abu Bakr ﷺ. He was also very calm and gentle. But if the situation required harshness, I was always there for him. And he could use my harshness if it was necessary. He's, he, he explained it to the people in this way. So yes, my harshness was effective during the time of the Prophet ﷺ. And it was effective during the time of Abu Bakr ﷺ. And it was, sometimes it was necessary and it was used when it was necessary. And then he said to the people, But now that I am your ruler, I am your leader, know that that harshness that I had, it has become less. I'm not going to be as harsh. Don't worry about it. I'm not going to be as harsh. As for the people of righteousness, I will be more gentle to them than they are to their own selves. I'll be very gentle with the people of righteousness. But as for the people of oppression, the people who do zulm, the people who are unjust, as for them, then my shiddah, my roughness, my harshness, it will still be there in full effect on those people. And he said, as for those people who oppress others, if you oppress another person, I will put your face on the ground. So one cheek is on the ground and my foot is on your other cheek if you oppress other people. That is how harsh I'm going to be with the oppressors and the people of injustice. But if you're not one of those people, then you don't have anything to worry about. If you're a person of righteousness and you do good and you don't oppress other people, then I will be more lenient and gentle to you than you are to your own selves. So he he calmed the people down with this he said, yes, my harshness is still there, but it's only going to be for the people who deserve it. As for the righteous people, you will not see the harshness from me. Then he talked to his people about their rights upon him. He said to, to his people, you have rights upon me. I'm your ruler. I'm like your servant. I have to take care of you. This is my responsibility towards you, and you have rights upon me. And he told them some of those rights that they have. And he said, <coughs> from your rights upon me, is that I should help you economically and financially. I will do my best to boost the economy to make sure that everyone is taken care of financially. And then he mentioned about jihad and fighting. Of course, there were a lot of enemies, right, in neighboring lands. So he said, if I ever send anyone to battle, if I ever send any soldiers to battle, then they will only be away, from their families for a limited period of time. I will never send anyone away to fight for jihad and keep him there indefinitely. No, there will be a limited period of time. If you're away from your family for a certain period of time, then I will bring you back and replace you with other soldiers. No one should be away from their families for an unlimited period of time. And later on, he set that period of time to be four months. That any soldier who is gone in battle for four months, then he comes back to his home. Four months was was made the maximum. And then he said anyone whom i send for battle then his family is my responsibility if you're gone in battle you can't earn for your family then your family is my responsibility i will take care of your children i will take care of your household so he he mentioned to the people some of the rights that they have upon him and he ended this this address to the people by saying if i make any mistake If you see that I'm doing anything wrong, then come to me and advise me. Come to me and advise me. It shows his humbleness. That he was always open to advice. He didn't think that, okay, now I'm the ruler, nobody can say anything to me. I'll do whatever I want and you just have to listen and you can't say anything. No. He said, if I make a mistake, if you see that I'm doing something that I shouldn't be doing, then come to me and advise me. Be sincere towards me and give me good advice. So, you see here, In these speeches, he basically outlined a whole plan of how he was going to rule. This is what I'm going to do. This is my plan. These are my responsibilities. These are your responsibilities. These are your rights upon me. So he explained it very clearly to the people how he was going to rule. What his way of leadership was going to be. And alhamdulillah, he was very successful in this. The Khilafah of Umar ibn Khattab was extremely successful, alhamdulillah it was a golden period for islam and for the muslims and we will speak a little bit more about that in the coming sessions bitha inallah may allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be pleased with umar ibn al-khattab radiyallahu an barakallahu fiqum wallahu a'lam sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa baraka ala nabiina muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in